Hello, what's going on guys? This is John Hasselbauer, golf writer for thelines.com. And in this video from the tips, we'll be going over the Memorial Tournament, uh, as well as looking uh, back a bit at everything that went, do- went down at Colonial Country Club at last week's Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, before we get any further, make sure you are subscribed to the Lines YouTube channel. Hit the uh, bell below this video to get up to date on all of the new uh, videos that come out. Not just uh, from from the tips, but all the other sports as we get into NBA Finals now between the Nuggets and the Heat. Um, you can also find links to the Discord, uh, which is free as always, and all of my tournament preview articles and other player write-ups uh, on the lines.com uh, that come out on a weekly basis. Um, so getting right into it, uh, last week was Memorial Day weekend. I hope everybody had a nice, long, restful Weekend and got a chance to enjoy some of the golf, play some golf. I got out uh, twice this weekend, which is probably uh, as many times as I've played up until this May this year. It has not been uh, not been a ton of golf for me um, in my personal life, so I was happy to take advantage of the good weather um, and looking forward to more rounds played this summer. Hopefully, uh, still still kicking some rust off of my game, but. Um, it's always nice to be able to get out there as a result. I probably watched a little bit less of the golf than I normally would. Um, but I did catch the end with Grio kind of being the last one to not give that tournament away. Uh, it's just such a quintessential win for Emiliano Grio. Um, just doing everything he could to give it away. And when you, when you look at a statistical profile of a player like Emiliano Grio, he's one of these guys where I'm like, I'll play him in DFS. I'm not going to bet him outright because when it gets down to it, he's going to do something stupid and, and eject himself from the tournament. Lo and behold, he did just that uh, with double bogey on 18 when he had a two stroke lead, uh, had one, one hand on the trophy and just completely gagged it. Uh, fortunate for him, it was Adam Shank and Harry Hall who were chasing him. And neither of those guys are really going to, uh, assert their, their will on a tournament either. They're both chasing their first career PGA tour wins. Um, so in the end, Grio was able to pull through, um, Grio was a guy I played a lot in DFS. We actually had a pretty decent DFS week. Um, but again, just for that win equity, not somebody that I really, tend to think about from an outright perspective. I think, you know, I was on Tony Finau and Sung JM who both missed the cut. Disappointingly, a lot of disappointing missed cuts, interestingly enough, maybe, maybe a result of the loaded schedule and a lot of guys coming here out of commitments that may have otherwise wanted, um, to take a breather, uh, with such a loaded summer schedule, but you know, Spieth, Spieth missed the cut. Um, Chris Kirk missed, missed the cut. Yeah, he was somebody that was very high on. That's that's always played well here. Fino always plays well here. Sungjae always plays well here. Um, so a lot of the big name favorites were pretty disappointing. It was pretty much just Scheffler from the list of, of top elites who who showed up last week. And he continues to impress without his best stuff, especially putting, just not being able to hit any putts. Um, I don't know what he has to do to fall outside of the top 10 in a tournament. Um, yet again, he finds himself in the mix without his best stuff. He finished, uh, one stroke off the playoff somehow. Um, I wrote him up in this week's 
um, memorial article, uh, basically like right when he teed off in round four, I think he was like T eight. Um, and it, you know, I think if he finished outside the top 10, he would have a dramatically different numbers. Uh, but then he gets that hole to one, he gets one more birdie on the back, puts himself in position to win again, very similar to what we saw from him at, uh, Craig Ran at, at TPC. Craig Ranch for the Byron Nelson, where he didn't have his best stuff, but he kind of made a charge late on Sunday. Anyway, as a result, he he's going to be the odds-on favorite this week. Not something I anticipated when I wrote up my player, um, my, my tournament preview. I thought that Rom would be the favorite uh, over Scheffler and that we might potentially get longer than 8-1 to one odds on Scotty. Um, but lo and behold, uh, Scotty is this immovable force. Uh, can't really find him at anything longer than six to seven to one. Um, so as a result, I will not be betting Scotty Scheffler. That's, that's my rule. I'm just not going to bet anybody shorter than eight to one odds. Um, so I, I went a different route with my betting card, which we will get to in the second half of this video. Um, with that said, I think we can jump straight into, uh, the tournament preview article, again, that is linked in this, this, the description to this YouTube video so you can go and uh, comb through every detail you need to know about Muirfield Village. Um, cliff notes for Muirfield Village, it went through a uh, dramatic renovation project in 2020. They hosted back-to-back -back events here in the COVID year. Um, they had the memorial tournament, and they also had the uh, just the work day. I think that's, they just called it the work day. Um, two weeks in a row played on this property. The second time, uh, when it was not the memorial, they made the course a little bit easier. They made the pins more accessible. Um, they, the, the, the rough kind of died out a little bit, so it wasn't as penal. Um, and then it was much more scorable. Colin Morikawa beat, uh, Justin Thomas in a playoff at the, at the work day that year. Um, and, you know, you, I think you can go back and forth whether you want to include that in your research, but it was a dramatically different golf course uh, conditions-wise than what we typically would see at the memorial where they design it to be a little bit more penal uh, and reward, you know, all around tee degree and, and, and putting. Um, also for, uh, you know, other updates to the course, they added about 100 extra yards since that uh, renovation. So basically as soon as that workday event was over, they completely overhauled the course. They did essentially what they're doing right now with Colonial, where they had a full year to turn it around and not mix, not miss the next year's tournament. Um, they were able to do that successfully, just rearranged some bunkers, uh, totally overhauled the greens, um, added like sub air. So this is in Dublin, Ohio. So conditions are more brutal here than, um, than what we see in most PGA tour events, kind of the reason why we don't have many great events on the PGA tour in the Northern part of the United States. Um, and an, another reason why we were just at Oak Hill and they needed to have that sub air there as well to sustain uh, playing conditions and be able to host events in May. Um, so that's what we're dealing with, uh, with Muirfield village. It is one of the most pristine venues on the PGA tour circuit. It is of course, Jack Nicholas's, uh, crown, crown jewel, um, known as Jack's place. Everybody, uh, you know, gets, gets their own milkshake when they're here. They get the, the sweater when you win. Um, the whole, the whole nine yards, uh, it, it's, it's a tournament that is well coveted 
um, by all of the the players on the PGA Tour. Obviously, you have the majors and you have the players. Um, I think many people would say after those five events that they probably would want to win the Memorial more than more than any other. I mean, some maybe you have like an exception, like a Max Homa who grew up in LA and he really wanted Riviera. Um, that's Tiger's event. It's sort of on a very similar echelon, um, these two events. So it's an important one. It's the type of event where players will work their schedule around being available to play here. Um, I'm interested to see how many people skip the Canadian open next week. Cause that's also a huge event. Um, and a very, you know, historically important event, really great fireworks last year with Rory beating Justin Thomas and Tony Finau, uh, kind of scorching what, which should have been a, a really tough course. Um, and you saw kind of like a tournament within a tournament of those three guys destroying it and playing their a game. Uh, while most of the field kind of struggled to shoot, you know, single digits under par. Um, but anyway, everybody's here with the exception of Max Homa and Tony Finau. I was, um, and I'll just scroll through to the field of the glance here. Um, I, I was curious why Max Homa wasn't here because he's finished top six each of the last two years. It's a course that really suits him. I had an outright on him last year and he shot like 29 on the front nine and looked like he was going to really make a run at Billy Horschel. Um, then he, then, you know, as this course does, it kind of sneaks up on you and, and he had a rough go, uh, on the back nine, but, um, Homa, according to Twitter is not here because his sister is getting married. I think that some relative close to him has a wedding this weekend. Um, so that is the only reason why he's not here. It makes sense. He has a loaded schedule. I assume that means he'll be back for the Canadian open, but if not, um, he will, he's already on my betting card at the U S open. Um, to be honest, I, I put that future in assuming that he would play well at the Memorial and that this would be his last start before the U S open. He would look good and his odds would come down. So that is not great. Uh, at least from like a closing line value standpoint, because he's kind of just coming off of like an okay showing at colonial and an okay showing at the PGA championship. So, um, you know, he's not, it's not exactly like we're buying, you would be buying low on home. I, I got a 35 to one on him and I have a feeling that's probably what his odds will be. Um, when odds, when we get to us open week in a couple weeks. Um, so that's the field. Otherwise it is a lot of heavy hitters. It's everybody else in the top 40 with the exception of Fidel and Homa who are qualified and on the PGA tour, not injured. Um, Scheffler is your odds on favorite. I was a little surprised by that. Um, I think general consensus, if you asked around, it's still Scheffler and Rom are one, a one B on the PGA tour. And Rom has essentially one and a half wins here, uh, having one official win and one dominant three round showing where he was forced to withdraw due to COVID. So, um, I, if I were the odds maker, I would make Rom more of a favorite than, than Scheffler. That's why I thought Scheffler could potentially open at eight to one, nine to one, have a shot there, um, to bet him outright. But I like them both. I, I think just, just because I, I featured Scheffler as my, my spotlight player of the week this week. Um, it's not a, it's not a shot against Rom. It's not a shot against, you know, Rory or Cantley. I expect them all to play well. I just thought as a function of how dominant, Rom and Cantley have been at this course that we might've gotten some drift. Uh, but 
in the end, uh, the, the sports books are a little more sharp um, than I may have given them credit for. Um, so yes, the, the field is loaded and um, they're going to be tough to beat because the, the best players in the world play really well at Muirfield Village. Um, other important things to know about the course itself, um, it is after the renovation, it's playing over 7,500 yards. Um, so it is a long course, but it is a, a par 72. A lot of that length is coming from the uh, par fives. I'll actually switch over to the odds page and you can navigate to that by clicking right here. This is um, always how we split up the, the tournament preview um, format now so you can get the top line info you need to know about the course in my tournament preview and then if you click on the odds page um, that's going to give you more detail on the course specs itself a description of the course and um, and betting trends so this page is updated um, just as regularly as the tournament preview pages and this week there's a lot more info uh, went a little bit overboard on, on um, all the need-to-know stats here. So easy to go overlook, but there's a lot of info in both of these uh, two pages to make sure you are checking both out in your uh, Memorial Tournament research. Um, going to the scorecard here and all. So it is 7,571 yards after the renovation. That is about 100 yards longer than it used to be. Um, the fairways are pretty generous here. I think Jack... Nicholas, when he was, you know, designing this course, wanted it to be a course where you hit a bunch of drivers. Uh, and so rather than tightening the fairways and making it uh, a decision of whether or not you want to hit driver, he basically said, I want you to hit driver on every hole. Uh, I don't want like tight fairways to discourage you from doing that. Um, the second shot is what's going to be more important. Now, if you're hitting a lot of drivers, that means that you can't be completely spraying it because the rough here is, is as penal as any rough that we see uh, anywhere else on the PGA Tour. Four inches is very long as far as PGA Tour rough goes, and it's this mix of bluegrass, blue rye, and fescue. So it's really pretty nasty stuff. I, I think Bay Hill... Uh, is close in comparison to like how penal and rough, uh, sorry, penal and long the rough uh, can be from other comp uh, PGA Tour courses. Torrey Pines, another one uh, to reference, just long courses where you need to keep it in the fairway. Um, but in general, even though there's presence of thick rough on this property, it's not a course where uh, guys are playing the entire round from the rough, like an Oak, Oak Hill where the fairways were so pinched that uh, the, the fairway finders actually had an advantage because it was a skill to, to hit the fairways and they were running so fast and firm that you could still get a lot of distance. Uh, Joel Damon commented on that a bunch at, at Oak Hill that uh, he could get run out on those fairways and, and hang with these guys uh, here. Not exactly the case. I mean, it, it is going to be, fairly firm um fairways and the conditions are really uh looking very good this week which is usually not the case on in this event we've had a lot of rainstorms and wind and cold even on you know the first week of june uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case i think we're gonna get pretty ideal conditions which means scoring uh, should be a little bit lower than what we've seen uh in the past and then just looking from a comp course 
standpoint, um, I would say if I had to pick like my my favorite comp to Muirfield Village, um, it is kind of a combination of Torrey Pines and Bay Hill, in my opinion. There's a lot of drivers, long, really thick, rough that comes into play, both primarily around the green. I think there's going to be a lot of missed greens and regulations, even though it sort of acts as this uh, glorified second shot course. A lot of guys are going to be hitting approaches from the fairway. But the angles into these really tucked pins, it's so important to hit the green in the right area and have it trickle uh, to the pin and kind of understand how the undulations of the green interact with um, with the pin locations. So that's something that Patrick Cantley has commented uh, every time he plays this course that he just feels like he knows where to hit it. And that experience gives him a leg up on people uh, playing it for the first time. So I do think experience is important, even though they did have the extensive renovation. Um, just by looking at the leaderboard in 2021 and 2022 for the first two years since the renovation, it does seem like the same players who had been playing well continue to do so. Uh, and in some respects, it, it acted as more of like a restoration to modernize uh, the layout and get uh, bunkers to be in the right places uh, to, to serve as a penalty uh, to adapt to the modern game. Um, and, and, you know, there was some reworking to the greens, but it seems like if you were able to figure out the firm and fast bent grass greens before, um, everybody just continued to do so in, in the next two years. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm looking at just difficult firm and fast bent grass courses that are long in general. So I think Beth page and Oak Hill continue to be good comps. Um, these, these are all scream like Patrick Cantley, John Rom to me as well. Uh, Olympia Fields, another one. TBC Harding Parks, another one. Um, just like, you know, this event has been played in cold weather and nasty conditions too. So maybe it's worth looking back in the years where conditions were really nasty. Um, if that's the only year that somebody played well, then uh, there might be something more to that where this is not going to be as much of a grind this year as it has been uh, in years past. And then lastly, I just want to get to uh, the odds grit, the um, odds trends of winners. It's really interesting um, looking at this event because Muirfield Village is a difficult test. It's a long course. It has penal rough. It rewards great tee to green play. If you look down the, the strokes game metrics of every year uh, at the top of the leaderboard, the, the people finishing top 10 are gaining off the tee approach around the green and putting. Um, so it's not the type of course where you can gain 10 strokes on approach and make up for losing two strokes putting. It just doesn't happen here. You need to, you need to have it all. Um, so that typically means the favorites win when those are the conditions. That's, that's what we see in majors for some reason. There's been a ton of bombs, uh, that just come from nowhere and have played really well here. Uh, Lingmurth and McGirt, uh, 201, 501 in back-to-back -back years, 2016, 2015. Uh, and even some big names kind of like, uh, you know, announcing themselves on a big stage at, before they were actually like huge names. Um, so like Matsuyama at 66 to one, Duffner at 66 to one, Bryson, one of his first wins. I forget if this was his first career, um, 50 to one. And then Horschel at 60 to one who, uh, had a pair of top 15s before that. So um, like good players who sort of aren't in maybe the best form um, have proven 
you know, to, to get it done here. And you're looking at the winning score. That's the other just comment of, you know, what's happened to this course since the renovation minus 13, minus 13 in the first two years is pretty much right where it's always been. There was one year in super soft conditions where Cantley won at minus 19, but in general, this is a course that's had a median, uh, scoring average of about plus one over par, maybe even, um, but not a course of that guys are tearing apart. You have to be strategic and patient, uh, around a course like this. Um, okay. So now we'll move on to, um, the model, um, and just look through the key stats, everything that I plugged in, what it spit out. Um, and of course this is all, uh, sourced from fantasy national. Um, so my mixed condition model, I started with comp course history, again, just feeding in all those courses that we talked about the, uh, you know, more, more Northern, uh, long, difficult bent grass courses. There's a lot, uh, to choose from in that regard. Uh, and I think that is very translatable to success, uh, when you look down the list, uh, and the correlation of it all, uh, next approach, it is kind of a second shot course. So approach is huge here is particularly from uh, 175 plus I've got T to green over the last 12 rounds for recent form, uh, par five scoring, I think is huge this week. Um, there's four par fives. They all average under par and no other, you know, none of the other 14 holes, uh, average under par. So this is where you got to make your birdies and then hang on for dear life on the other 14. Uh, I've got strokes gained short game in comparable conditions. So that would be firm and fast bent grass greens with long surrounding rough, uh, very specific, but that is a crucial, uh, part of, what it takes to, um, to succeed at Muirfield village. Um, the par fours are concentrated to 450 to 500, uh, similar to short game. I've also put uh, good drives gained in long courses with uh, very penal rough. So that just tells me like, are you hitting the fairway and avoiding those hazards? Um, when, when there's thick rough around, or if, if it's inevitable to play out of that thick rough, are you still able to hit greens of regulation from it? Um, so I think that's a, a important mixed conditional mixed condition stat to have this week. Um, and then I just have some blanket off the tee around the green scrambling, uh, weighted putting and driving distance. So this is already uh, filtered in order of the top 10, but Top 10 for me this week is Scotty Scheffler at number one. That makes sense. Uh, just ridiculous. His ranks right now. He's number one in comp course history. Approach T to green, uh, par, long par four scoring. And even these these uh, stats, which I didn't put into the model, but um, it's total strokes gained over the last 36. Total uh, strokes gained T to green. Um, and strokes gained ball striking. He's number one in all of them. So hasn't won here yet, but played well in each of his last two appearances. Definitely a threat. Definitely somebody that I will want exposure to in DFS. Um, the rest of the top 10 is Rom, Shoffley, Cantley, uh, McElroy. That is huge chalk. Those are the top five, uh, favorites and they're all 12 to one or less. So I think that is again, just a testament to, um, what's going into the model. So whenever that's the case, um, I'm more likely to trust it uh, and, and look for value in, in the rest of the top 10. Um, and then the second half of the top 10 is Hatton, Sung Jay, Jason Day, Justin Thomas, and Victor Hovland. Um, okay, so that is the model. And now I will just filter this by the players that I have bet. 
Again, plan A this week would have been Scheffler on a short card, but he's about six or seven to one um, to win. So that was out the door. I'm not, I was only going to bet him if it got to nine, which is about what his odds um, are looking like in the majors. So I thought we might get some of that here, but lo and behold, we did not. So um, the pivot plan was to kind of pepper the mid range of the board um, and get these sort of talented players who may not be in the best immediate form, but suit these comparable conditions. That's something that we've seen with Hideki when he won here and Billy Horschel when he won here. Um, so I think there's plenty of merit to that. It's a very demanding course. It can expose even the best of players. Um, so I chose to go this route. I kicked it off with actually Colin Morikawa at 28 to one. He was the shortest player on my card. Um, Colin is somebody that I really like at the U S open, mainly because it's on Poe greens, um, back at his home in LA. So part of me is kind of hoping that he doesn't look his best this week so we can get an even longer number, but maybe this is a little bit of a hedge. Uh, he has very good results here. He obviously won at this, uh, course for the WGC or not WGC. It was just the workday event. I'll pull up his player page here. Um, and you can see at the memorial, he has had, um, in addition to that win in 2020, that was the workday event. He also lost in a playoff to Patrick Cantlay in 2021. Um, that was of course the year that John Rahm should have ran away with it, but it doesn't change the fact that he gained 17 strokes on the field, uh, and putted really well that year. So he is capable of figuring out these greens. Obviously, when you look at you know, his player profile, T to green, he's been phenomenal. Uh, and the putting, he has not been able to figure it out yet. Um, but you know, the approach game has not left. This is everything that we would expect from Colin. He's going to play from the fairways. He's going to be able to get a ton of good looks at these greens, um, from the middle of the fairway. Um, so ultimately it's just going to come down to putting and, uh, with Colin, it, it doesn't really matter so much what the putting form looks like because he's shown us, he can just randomly pop. He did it at the century, um, you know, say Jude two and a half. So you have to, it, it's not going to be every week, even the Genesis, um, now we're going back to 2022, but, um, you know, this is what he does. He loses, he loses, he loses five weeks in a row. And then randomly one week it all clicks. So maybe it's this week, maybe it's the U S open. I'll probably be on him for both, but the ball striking is too good for eight, uh, 28 to one, uh, on somebody who has proven to have the course history, um, at a course that really rewards having good course history. So I started with Colin. I went Hatton, um, with my second bet. Hatton's having a phenomenal statistical season. I'll pull up his player page as well. Um, and you can see it's so important to gain in all four categories at Muirfield Village. If you look over the last 5, 10, 20, 100 events um, that he's played, he's gaining across the board. And that's not even just an average. It's literally just every time he tees it up, he is gaining in all, all four categories. So that's something that you really need at Muirfield Village. He has pretty solid... Um, I guess he's only played here once, but um, he looked solid in his one pass appearance, just didn't have it with the putter, but uh, he is the type of player that can you know, be relied on to make some putts um, and just able to kind of do it in all facets. The season he's having has been a remarkable resurgence. His last win on the PGA Tour was at Bay Hill, and everything you need to do at Bay Hill, you need to do it at Muirfield Village. So 
this seems to be the type of course that he can really step up at. Um, definitely trending towards a win. I don't know when it's going to happen, uh, but Hatton's not really the type of guy I'm concerned about closing out a tournament. It's His issue has been he's kind of been backdooring this, looking great on Sunday, but not putting himself in position um, to have a go at it on the final day. So a couple of the top fives in his last three starts. Form is good. 30 to one is a great number. Uh, this is the type of course that I could see Hatton uh, winning on. Uh, next, I went with Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, just the, uh, a guy I'll buy low on in difficult conditions. It rewards driving distance here. Um, you look at short game and comp conditions, he's number six. Comp course history, he's number seven. Um, just, you know, we're expecting a little bit easier conditions than some recent years, but I still think it's going to be... 15 to one is, is the winning score. Maybe 13 to one is the winning score. Uh, he's somebody who can capitalize on par fives. He's 17th in par five score. He has the distance to get to all of these in two really good putter, especially on bent grass. Um, and those approach numbers are a little concerning, but they've gotten better, uh, more recently. This is over the last 36 rounds and, and that's including some, some reps where he was playing injured. So he played well at the masters. I believe he led the field on approach at the masters. And, um, if you can do that at Augusta, you can definitely bring that same sort of approach to Muirfield village. Um, I then have Shane Lowry at 60 to one. Um, this is a little bit of a narrative bet since we're playing in Dublin, um, Dublin, Ohio. Uh, but I do like Shane Lowry this week and, um, I, I just think he's going to be similar to more Carroll. He'll be playing from the fairway, uh, approach has been great. He has pretty decent results at Muirfield village and, um, has proven to be able to putt here, even if he's not putting so well right now, look good at the PGA championship and somebody who just, as we get more North, uh, he seems to play better. Uh, similar story with Adam Scott, the game tends looks to be tr trending in the right direction. I think I got an 80 to one on him. Um, plays long course as well. The ball striking has been great. He's gaining in both off the tee and on approach, uh, and really hot with the putter right now, especially on bent, uh, bent greens. So it seems like a good course fit for him. He has a runner up in the past couple top fives as well. Um, and another guy who it's just been too long since he last won. So would not surprise me, um, if this was the week for him. And lastly, Kevin Streelman, I have at 300 to one. Uh, a pair of top 20 finishes each of the last two weeks and uh, really good course history. He is uh, fifth, I believe. Yeah. in course history, all of these guys are, you know, top 40 in course history, which I think is important um, to repeat success at Muirfield village. So he's been able to get it done without great form. Uh, Shulman has, and now uh, looking in better form, uh, 300 to one, he's probably not going to win, but, uh, it's 300 to one. So, uh, I'll take my chances. Um, uh, okay. That, those are my bets. It's a pretty average card, six names, really five and a half with Shulman being a long, uh, long shot. But, uh, we are hoping that Rom Scheffler or Cantley do not run away with this and, uh, give some hope to the rest of the field. This is the type of event where we've seen long shots have, uh, some hope. So I think this is, a uh, week where it makes sense to have a, a sort of present like exposure to the middle of the odds board. Um, so we'll see how that theory goes. Um, hopefully you found this video helpful. 
Um, and I wish you the best of luck with your Memorial Tournament bets this week. 